I just think that you're one of the most interesting people in this space. I don't understand how you have less than 500 followers. It's probably because you disappeared. Yeah, yeah. I shut it down and came back. So I've I've got all of these questions here that I want to ask you. Some of them are football. Some of them are not football. Yeah. Um, But since we've already touched on the subject, where did you go? What happened there? I muted myself on accident. That was just like the most boomer move. Okay, cool, nice. cool. Okay, all right. Okay. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's let's start there with um your disappearance, your yeah. mysterious disappearance from from what I can tell it was July 7th, 2020 to about G- January. Well, used to actually that's when you started writing. You got on a little bit earlier than that. But tell us where you went and why. Yeah, I'm trying to remember why I got off Twitter. I think it it was around the time when I when I decided I was going to go to Alaska and I knew that I wasn't going to like have time to do anything. And at that point, I was just kind of I was like burnt out and like not interested. Like I didn't watch any football um, that year almost at all. Um, oh, yeah. In 2020, I didn't watch. I don't I don't know that I watched in a, a full game at all. Um, so I, I think I was just kind of done. I was like, this is a lot of work. Um, I'm doing it for fun. I just don't really feel like doing it anymore. And then I was, I, uh, once I, I decided to kind of take a step back from doing fantasy stuff, but I was still on Twitter and I was just like doom scrolling all the time. And I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta be done with Twitter. So I just like deleted my account, deleted the app and just was gone. And then decided a couple months ago to get back into it. And I guess now I'm back. For those who don't know, Noah Hill's breakout finder, formerly of DLF. You can find him on Twitter at Noah Moore Parties. Um, I I just think that you're an excellent writer, and you don't write like your interest is football. Um, where does your passion for writing come from? Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's always something that's been that's always like come pretty easy for me. I remember like back in middle school and stuff, um, having to write papers and I was always like really frustrated about like having to do like rough drafts and get them edited. It was like, I, I wrote it once, like it's good already. Like, let me just turn it in. Um, so it, was, it always just like came pretty easy. And, um, when I was in college, I originally wanted to be a lawyer. Um, so I was majoring in like political science, decided I didn't really want to do that. And so I, I'd always like reading. So I just switched to English. Um, so I was just like reading books and writing essays all the time, which I think was was helpful in like developing that skill. Um, but I've always just been like good at communicating in writing. It's kind of it's fun to me. It's like a puzzle. Like how can I um, convey this idea in in words? I don't know by like because you are. Sentences. I mean, you are a, da- a you are a data analyst, but you have just a very effective way of communicating what it is that your research actually shows. And, you know, you'll explain, you'll define a term and then you'll put in parentheses, like here's the colloquial way to explain what, what it is that, that this is, which I just, it's, it's just makes it very easy to read. Um, You mentioned that you're a reader. Like how does that inform your writing? If at all, like, are there any authors that you're inspired by? Cause that was, I mean, you mentioned it and it was actually on my uh, list of questions for you. Okay. Yeah. I I don't know that anybody in particular like um, informs the way that I write, but I, I just kind of read 
good stuff and like sort of try to imitate the way that I see things sound good. Um, whether that's like a, you know, like a nonfiction piece from like Shea Serrano or if it's, you know, like Moby Dick or like whatever it is. Like I, I just like when words sound good when they're put together in a particular order. And I, I don't know. I just like to figure out ways to do that myself. I'm going to jump around here because I know that the audience are going to be like, talk, talk sports, talk yeah, yeah. football, <laughs> talk sports. Um, let's, uh, let's throw a 2022 class question in here. Um, cause I am going to jump back to the stuff about Noah, but we'll, 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 we'll give the candy and the vegetables here today. Um, how should fantasy footballers feel about the 2022 running back class? I think they're, I think we've been building up to this for a couple of years. Like everybody knows 2023 is supposed to be really good. And like, you know, two or three years ago when we already knew that it was kind of like 2022 is like the one to get through, you know, so we can actually get to 2023. And then now that we're here, like everybody knows it's not that good, but people are still hyping themselves up about just like random dudes. Just like, of course they are. Cause you got to spend your rookie pick on something but I think we should just like, remember that this is the one that's not that good. Like, like stop the hype. Uh, there's the way I kind of feel about it is like, uh, the, the running back class last year, 2021, if Najee and ETN had declared the year before, like we originally thought they would, it would have been like Javante Williams and like a bunch of dudes. And that's kind of how I feel about this class with Brees Hall at the top, who is good. I'm not like completely sold but after that i feel like it's just a bunch of dudes so you agree with the advice on you know people should have been trading these 2022 picks yeah and and if you still got them now you might as well wait till you're on the clock and sell them then but i i'm probably not spending them on running backs at least in the first round so you've developed the infallible rb model how did you go about developing that model i mean just take us through where you started and where you're at now Yeah. So kind of when I started, um, I, uh, originally decided to start writing like fantasy stuff back in like 2017, um, hopped on Twitter and realized just based on what other people were doing was that wide receiver, which is what I started doing was more or less like solved from a, like a data analysis standpoint. Like we know we want early breakouts. We know we want high market share numbers and then we shoot our shots from there. Um, and running back the, the kind of conventional wisdom, which is like, get the big fast guys who were drafted early and like, there's gotta be more to it than that. And I like on a very basic level, like I was like flipping through a fantasy magazine one, one year noticed just like Joe Mixon, Le'Veon Bell, like David Johnson, these guys are all like the same size basically. I was like, okay, there's gotta be something there. Like they're all constructed in, in a similar way. And so I, it got me thinking, not just physically, there's got to be like some sort of like construction in the profile at large that ends up in these guys being good players, um, which got me to, you know, just kind of collecting data on guys and, you know, figuring well, out. Not, not only, I, I mean, you, that was 2017 You're We're here in 2022. Not only have you developed this model, but you've actually developed particular metrics for these running backs that you consider to be significant. What metric that you've developed do you think is the most cons- uh, significant in your evaluation process? 
That's a good question. There's a couple that I like. Um, one of them is is satellite score, which is uh, takes like a player's dominator rating and a player's target share, and basically just describes their relationship between them. Um, and it, it it tells you the difference between a guy like I'm just gonna pull some examples here. Like I don't know. Let's say Christian McCaffrey has bad example. Let's say Chris Thompson has like a 10% target share on like a 15% dominator rating where, you know, Todd Gurley maybe has a 10% target share on like a 35% dominator rating. It's just, it, it shows you that that Chris Thompson's receiving role relative to his role overall was like much larger than Todd Gurley's, even though they technically had the same size of receiving role. So I like that metric. And then the other one would be probably the most recent one, the box adjusted efficiency rating, which looks at the Bay. Yeah. yeah, Bay rating, which looks at a a player's uh, per carry efficiency relative to his teammates accounting for the box counts that he was seeing. So I think it's a pretty good. What overall, I mean, just in, in layman's terms, what does that um, metric tell us? Yeah. Okay. So previously I was just looking at running back X averaged five yards a carry. Everybody else on his team, all the other running backs averaged four and a half yards a carry. So if we say that the average running back on a team is like, you know, the baseline, he was half a yard better than whatever baseline is. But that obviously has a lot of issues as far as, you know, is he a high volume runner? Is he facing high? you know, higher box counts than the other guys on his team. Uh, So now I have access to box count data. And so I'm doing that same analysis, but at each different box count and then using a weighted average to like combine them all into a percentage of how, to what degree is a player under or overperforming his teammates. Let's go back to the candy here. Um, Is there a player that you are higher on than consensus in this class? Yeah, I think the one I would go to is Keontae Ingram um, out of USC and previously Texas. I think he wasn't he wasn't super productive. Um, I've been comparing him to Alvin Kamara for a couple of years, and I don't know if that's – it's less of a play style comparison than it is like a, a, a profile and kind of like valuation comparison where, you know, Kamara kind of bounced around to different schools, didn't produce very well, um, but he was – you know, a really efficient and like versatile member of committees in college. And he ended up being great in the NFL, obviously. And I think Keonta Ingram is on, on track in the same type of way. I think he has an overall skill set in this class that really not, there's not many guys in this class who are like workhorse size, catch the ball like he does. And were really efficient in college. Like Brees Hall might be the only other one. Um, so I'm really interested in Keonta Ingram. Yeah, he measured in at 210 at the uh, Senior Bowl. How, how do you feel about that weight? Yeah, I was pretty surprised. I I know a couple of years ago he was like – there was talk of like 235 or something when he was at Texas. He was listed at like 225, 220 a couple of those years. Um, so I was pretty surprised that he was so slim. Um, and I, I don't know if he's – if that's just what he plays at or if he's slimmed down for the Senior Bowl – if he's trying to get faster for the combine, whatever it is, I, I I don't know. I don't want him to, if he just plays at 210, I'm a little less interested than I am if he plays at, you know, 220, but 
I mean, we'll, we'll see what he looks like at the combine and how he tests there. So what about lower someone that you are lower on than consensus? I think the easy answer is Isaiah Spiller. Um, he's, I mean, I think he's pretty consensus top two. him and him and Brees Hall. Um, I just, I, I, I like his production. I like his size. I like his like three down ability. And those are like big boxes to check. I'm just really scared that he is like fool's gold as a runner of the football. Like I don't, I don't want to take Monte ball at the one Oh three and just be, just be screwed, you know? And I know that there's a lot of, you know, I I've seen a lot of debate, like come my way on Twitter and stuff of, you know, I've, I've published my findings um, that show he's not, you know, an efficient running back and people are coming back with, you know, the, the comparison is not legitimate because, you know, uh, Devin a chain is just so different and you so differently and Spiller looks really good on tape. And like, I, I get all of that stuff. I've, I've looked into all of the different arguments I've seen, you know, regarding like a chain and haven't found reasons to, you know, kind of put an asterisk on my Spiller evaluation. But I, I do recognize that there's some guys who, for whatever reason, like look good on tape and it doesn't translate to numbers and, well, I was criticized for uh, myself, Jared Wackerly, and Nick Whalen have done a video on Isaiah Spiller and just not being impressed by his running style at 220 pounds is something I took some heat for, but that's fine. That's fine. I've got I've got thick skin on that one. Um, we're going to play a game later. We're not going to do it right now, but I'm going to give you some guys from this class and uh, – last year's rookie class and i'm gonna ask you jag or no jag okay um so be good. okay yeah yeah no what is a mackinac peach a mackinac peach i i was impressed when i saw this question uh because that's that's a little bit of a deep pull you're like uh you're like nardwar but uh a mackinac peach comes from I, I don't remember which episode of seinfeld it is but it's from seinfeld uh kramer bursts in the room and tells jerry that the mackinac peaches are in and they're this some weird species of peach that comes from Oregon, and for whatever reason, they're only ripe for like two 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 weeks out of the year, but they're just heavenly. Kramer says it's like a circus in your mouth, and I I kind of took that idea of like a, a beautiful, delicious fruit that's only good for a short amount of time, and kind of use it as an analogy for running backs who like come out of nowhere, break out for a season and then flame out and never do anything again. And so that would be a guy like Thomas Rawls, Raheem Mostert, uh, I don't know, like Alex Collins, you know, Mike Davis, somebody like that who just kind of blows up for a season um, and then disappears. I have to admit, I had to do my research because uh, I did not know. I could tell that you were referencing something, but I couldn't tell what it was. And uh, as a black American, I did not grow up watching <laughs> Seinfeld, so I had no. But it is available on YouTube, so you can go. You can go find Mackinac yeah. Peaches. Um, you mentioned some from the from previous seasons, but who are the Mackinac Peaches in the league right now? The Mackinac Peaches, by the way, grown in Oregon. Grown in Oregon. Yeah, Oregon, uh, adjacent to Idaho, by the way. So uh, shout out to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I was trying to think of Mackinac peaches this year and there really aren't many. I, I, I developed some criteria and I think it's, it's gotta be like an out of nowhere breakout season. So it's, it can't be a guy who's like, 
you know, we, we have, we've identified him preseason as like a potential breakout that, 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 that guy doesn't count. Cause you know, he would have a talent profile that tells us he should break out. So that doesn't count. Usually it's not a rookie, definitely not a highly drafted rookie, but it, 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 it can be a rookie that comes out of nowhere. So that I think the best one this season is probably Elijah Mitchell. That's what I was going to ask you about. Um, yeah. Elijah Mitchell. And I would say Cordero Patterson. Um, I think Patterson definitely fits, but people aren't latching onto him in dynasty like they are Elijah Mitchell. And so Elijah Mitchell's the the better sell candidate. I think he wasn't, he wasn't efficient in college. Um, he's relatively tall and skinny. People tell me he's 220. He weighed in at 201. I don't know what I'm supposed to believe. If he's 201, I'm out. But basically the argument for Elijah Mitchell was he started for Shanahan this year and produced, and we assume he'll do it again. But like, that was the same argument for Raheem Mostert and Matt Breida and, you know, all those guys. And Elijah Mitchell's going as RB14 in Dynasty right now, and I'm I'm selling at that price. So I'm I'm getting out. I'm assuming you would take any random 2023 first for Elijah Mitchell. What about 2022 picks? Would you take the 107 for Elijah Mitchell? 107. You know, that's that's a good question. Who's going around 107? I guess that's probably like uh I mean, you're looking like at like Garrett Wilson range. Maybe Garrett Wilson and Superflex leagues. You're talking about, um, uh, you know, maybe one of these lesser quarterbacks. Maybe Chris Olave, Drake London, I think Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller in some my, leagues might be there. Okay, to be clear, I'm not. I I don't have Elijah Mitchell rostered anywhere, so this isn't a real world <laughs> conundrum that I'm faced with. But if I was, hopefully, I can get more than that. But if it came down to like holding Elijah Mitchell or selling for a 2022 first, I'm taking a shot on, you know, a mid first round wide receiver over Mitchell. What's been your best call in the fantasy space on a player? My best call. I think I'll give you a negative one and a positive one. Positive one was back when everybody was down on Derrick Henry you know, he sucks. He can't get on the field over DeMarco Murray. Like, why is it taking him three years? I was like holding firm, fully in on Derrick Henry. And then now everybody, you know, he's some Hall of Fame talent. You know, it's obvious to everybody. Um, so that would be one. And then the other one, uh, I think Chuba Hubbard, like peak Chuba Hubbard hype season, you know, the last, you know, three to two years ago in in Debbie and, you know, Dynasty guys looking forward. He was right there with, you know, Travis Etienne, um, Najee Harris, once Najee kind of took over at Alabama. And I was pumping the brakes a little bit. Like he's he's not a fantastic receiver. He's a little bit tall and skinny, and those guys just kind of have a hard time, that Tevin Coleman type. And I was I was not in on Chuba Hubbard as like an early, an early Debbie guy or, you know, an eventual first round rookie pick. So I think that that aged well. Well, I'm going to ask you about Chuba Hubbard later. Um, and I, I'm putting you on the spot here. Some of these questions I've given you in advance, some of them I haven't. And I know right now you're studying rookies. Can I ask you about Debbie? Can I ask you who the best value running backs are in Debbie right now? I don't know that I have an answer. I, I haven't been able to look at a lot of college guys. Um, and, I, and I'm not super That's familiar fair. with like with with the value of some of the lesser known players. So I, I don't know if I could give you anything good. That's fair. That's fair. Um, what would you say your ultimate goal is in this space? I, I, I'm not having to have a job that I like have to go to an office would be ideal. I think um, 
Yeah, I, I quit my job about a month ago and decided to just give this a go and see what happens. And um, I'm not like working full time doing this or anything, but I, think I mean, you are a machine. I mean, you are a machine. You can check out the rookie running back efficiency series at Breakout Finder. Uh, you can also check out Noah's work at the Vitruvian Prospect, his blog. Uh, I will p- post a link to it because most of the people listening to this are not going to know uh, how to how the hell to spell Vitruvian. So uh, I will post a link to it in the description here. Um, all right. Let's get to the game. Want to get to the game here? Yeah, let's do it. Jag or no Jag? And these are either rookies. Uh, well, maybe 2022 rookies or, or guys in last year's class. Okay? Class. Jag or no Jag? Sincere McCormick. Jag. Oh. D- do, do you want to elaborate? For, you, for those yeah. who haven't read the, the efficiency series, do you want to elaborate? Yeah, I'll elaborate a little bit. Sincere McCormick was more efficient than his teammates. He was productive from early on. Those are, those are both good things, but he's, he's small. He didn't catch a lot of passes at UTSA, which if, if you play at UTSA, your team better be trying to give you the ball however they can, which they weren't. And he wasn't efficient enough relative to his teammates to make me feel good about it. He's, he's a Jag. Abram Smith, Jag or no Jag. I think he's probably a Jag, but nobody is in on Abram Smith as far as I can tell. And I'm at least interested. And maybe he's not a Jag. He probably is, but let's find out. A value, a Jag at value. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Kyron Williams, Jag or no Jag? I'm going to say he's not a Jag. I I think he's kind of nice. I think he's good. Well, he's, he's sub 200 pounds. Shouldn't we be worried about that? He is, but he's he's a good enough pass catcher that he's going to be able to get on the field. Allegedly, he's great in pass protection, so he'll be able to get on the field. And I think he's a good enough runner that, you know, if somebody's impressed by those other things, he could he could have a three-down roll. Jerome Ford, jag or no jag? Jerome Ford's a jag. He's He's supposedly a very athletic jag, but I think he's a jag nonetheless. Jag nonetheless for Jerome Ford. Chuba Hubbard, Jag or no Jag? Uh, okay, Chuba Hubbard's an interesting one because I don't think Chuba Hubbard's a Jag. I think he's really talented. He's just not the right kind of guy. It's like, I, I think a couple years ago I wrote an article where I compared Chuba Hubbard to like, uh, what's that guy's name? Derek Williams, like a, a power forward from a couple years ago. Uh, just mm-hmm. like, Beast, I think he won the Naismith in college, but he came in, he was undersized and he can't shoot threes. And if you're a power forward and you can't shoot threes and you're undersized, you're, you're not going to work. And Chuba Hubbard's like the NFL running back version of that. Uh, Kenny Gainwell, Jag or no Jag? Kenny Gainwell is absolutely not a Jag. Kenny Gainwell is the next Austin Eckler, the next Jamal Charles, whatever it is. He's, he's the 195 pound guy who's going to blow up. He's, He's a zero RB king for 2022. So we need to be trading for Kenny Gainwell. Absolutely. This That's probably going to be the headline of this episode. Um, Khalil Herbert, Jag or no Jag? Jag. Ramondre Stevenson, Jag or no Jag? Not a Jag. Ramondre is good. He's big. He can catch. He can run. The guy's, Thank the guy's, you. He's just a train, man. He's good. Kenneth Walker. 
Kenneth Walker's not a Jag, but I'm a little worried that he's got a little Chuba Hubbard disease. I I heard Ray Garvin. Okay, so Kenneth Walker's listed at like 210. If he's 210, 215, I'm in. If he's the 205 that Ray Garvin thinks he is and he doesn't catch passes, we're getting into like tweener territory there. And he might be like a talented non-Jag who will be disappointing. Rashad White. That's a tough one. He's, I, I, uh, I don't know that he's a jag in the traditional sense, but I don't think he's special. He's like a. Can you? You need to be or, special to be good to be valuable to be good for fantasy football. Yeah, and and I guess if if we're if just a guy means the middle of the bell curve, he's a jag. Like he's not that good. The two oh six. We're taking Rashad White. You don't have a problem with that. In a weaker class, 2022, in a rookie draft? I guess so, but I don't really think there's that much hope for him to be like a lead back anywhere. I think he's a role player. Last one, James Cook. James Cook is not a Jag. James Cook is super dynamic, and I I, I keep talking myself into him as like somebody that I think the NFL is going to be in on, even though he's small. He was split out wide a lot. He can catch the ball. He can run. So I think somebody's going to find a way to use him well. And I, I think I'm kind of in on James Cook. I think he's the third or fourth round draft pick that I'm going to want want to have rostered. I agree with you. Um, because at the very least, he could be a pass catcher. Rapid fire here. This is not – these are just rapid fire questions. And uh, I want to see what your answers, your answers are here. Is there still hope for Ramon Davis? I think so. I, I'm a little out of the loop on what exactly has been happening with Ramon Davis, but I know that not much has been happening with Ramon Davis. But that freshman year was so good, and it's not like he's been playing badly. He just hasn't he's he hasn't been playing. So I think I'm I think there's hope. In fairness, some of these are college questions. So if you don't, uh, that's that's actually they all are except for the last two. Um, really? Is there still hope for Jerry and Ely? I mean, there's hope for him to be as good as like Tyler Goodson or James Cook is or something like that. But I don't think, you know, he's he's not he's not going to make good on like his five star talent or anything. And these are uh, these questions are all based on Noah's writing at Breakout Finder, which you can find. This is a yes or no question. OK, yes or no. How good is Max Borgie? Yes or no. Probably no. <laughs> is Braylon Allen a first-round startup pick? And a Debbie first-round startup pick? Yeah, all I know of all I know about Braylon Allen is he like blew up at Wisconsin, right? And he's big. And he's seventeen. That's the other thing. Yeah, I'll, or he was. Sure. Yeah, let's go. Should Brandon Marshall be in the Hall of Fame? Brandon Marshall? Hell yeah! Yes, Brandon Marshall. Hell yeah! The best Kanye West album. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I think I, well, it's either that or 808s and Heartbreak. Um, all right. 
Noah Hills. You can find him at Noah Moore Parties on Twitter. The Rookie Running Back Efficiency Series is available at Breakout Finder. This man is a machine, the Vitruvian prospect. I'll post the link in the description box. If you want the most in-depth analysis on running backs anywhere, if you want data explained to you in a digestible form, then you need to go read Noah Hills. Noah, I appreciate you for joining me, man. Yeah, thanks, man. This is good. I got some secrets. I'm shaking the game so they stay on their toes. Stay in your lane, out of stay on the go. I came to play with the pros and act like a rookie so they overlook me They're not double up again, none of their nose, none of them cold They just got lucky but never adapted So I'm telling the one if it's coming to blows My enemies cutting it close That's it, that's it Alright Yeah Man, if this, mic, if this mic would stay connected, that would have been that would have oh, been perfect <laughs> I'll, I'll edit, I'll edit it and it'll, it'll be fine So, you know, I think, you know, some of the stuff we do for, uh for the audience and some of the stuff we do for me like this like this is stuff that i want to do yeah talk to people and get to know people so um we just have interesting stories so he the army a fleet a tank and a jeep a navy at sea where they said marine an ace up they sleeve a team of marines a freak on a leash a beast with an appetite razor for teeth and still they would lay at my feet what about you are you in alaska still or where are you at no i'm back home i live in idaho as soon as the song's done i gotta i was trying to place where you were from because i uh you know i looked up and I try to do my research, and I was like, he's a Packers fan, and he's talking about like something with Philadelphia. Where is this dude from? So, and I know you were in, you know, in Alaska or whatever for a while. So. Yeah, I was there for like six months, like a year ago, but. Doing what? Uh, I went up there to work. I had a friend that I met in college whose dad owned a construction company up there. And I decided to go up there and just like live with him rent free for a while and just make some money. So, yeah, I was doing that. What was that? What was Alaska like? Trust me, I hear what you're saying. It kind of sucked, honestly. Uh, I mean, it was like it's it, it was hard work. Um, which which I knew going into it, but it just like wasn't. It wasn't know. like you were, you didn't talk to any moose or bears. There was no talking animals up there. Yeah, no, there wasn't any time for like exploring or anything. It was just like working in a cannery or like building a bathroom. It was just I don't know. I mean, I was I was there to just work, make money, and then leave, which is what I did. But it wasn't fun. They just got lucky, but never adapted. So I'm telling the one if it's coming to blows, my enemies cutting it close. I let them think that they got me, but what do you know? I had them beat before we ever spoke. I'm ready for smoke. I need to know everything. Who in the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. Oh, I got you. You live in Idaho. I would have never guessed Idaho. Yeah. Yeah, just outside Boise. Okay. Do you watch the, uh, the uh, I guess, the Broncos there? I mean, who's your college team? Not really. I don't watch much college at all, really. Um, I, I mean, I, I grew up like watching Boise State when I was a kid. I, I was at the I was at the Fiesta Bowl when they played Oklahoma. Um, Jared Zabransky and the uh, yeah. behind. The, yeah. Yes. I, I mean, when they're good, I think I'm more interested, but I, I don't really care much. Uh, this had to be in 2013, something somewhere around there. Uh, Boise State was playing Michigan State <laughs> at the beginning of the season, and uh, I guess Boise State was staying right in downtown Lansing, where I where I lived. And I always did my banking uh, on Saturday morning, and so I got 
my kids up and uh, was driving like two blocks away from my house. And I saw coach Chris Peterson walking down the street. I'm sure I pulled over and I, uh, and I stopped the car. I get it. And uh, he took a picture with my, with, with me and my two boys and his son took the picture. Um, and I remember I told him, I told him, thank you for Titus Young, because because Titus Young, you know, he had that rookie season with the Lions. He was really, I mean, really unexpectedly good Yeah, the third there behind uh, Calvin and Nate Burleson, and it was Titus Young. And I don't think that, like, I think Titus Young was a knucklehead, so he was like, mm-hmm. he washed out, like. Oh well, he got he got he not only did he wash out like he had some he got like legal trouble, wasn't it? Yeah, he got legal trouble. Yeah, and I don't think he had good relationships with the coaching staff there. I should have told him because uh, Kellen Moore was on the team at the same time. I didn't say uh-huh. nothing to him about Kellen Moore. So, uh, <laughs> I need to know everything. Now they ain't go harder than me. They need a blade and a sheath, a shank and a piece, a crate full of heat, an army of fleet. So you do, you doing breakout finder? You doing anything else? Yeah, I'm, uh, Nick Ercolano reached out, um, actually, what, actually while I was in Alaska and then a little bit ago, um, so I'm going to start producing like video content for him. Okay. The first one of those should come out in, I think Wednesday. Gotcha. Yeah. You don't, you, well, you, I mean, you, you released like one or two podcast episodes on your, on your blog. I did. Yeah. And, and I, I really liked what I was doing with that. I thought it was like a good format, but. I don't there wasn't really like a I wasn't super committed and there wasn't really like a reason why I stopped it just kind of like fizzled out and I didn't pursue it any further but I I think I would like to do some sort of audio format just kind of have to figure out how that looks Brandon Marshall hell yeah 